apologize for being late. I uh, had a really super busy week. And as a result, I could not get back and do the things I needed to do on coming back to the series on confessional apologetics. So in my brilliancy, I decided I will go home. I couldn't sit any longer in the chair at the seminary and stare at a blank screen. And so Phyllis took me home. I'm not able right now to drive again. And so I got home. I decided I would begin to look up a few things, and it kind of struck me this last week. I've had a few conversations on the Internet. So I decided to type all that up, and I do it on my phone. Unbeknownst to me, when I charge the phone last night, it doesn't charge. <laughs> I get up. I have sent the email to myself to make this thing work. I can't get it to print off at the house. have no idea what happened. Second time I've had my printer down, had to get back up. And that is why we have this all hooked up the way it is in order that I can use this. And so, if it's a bit of a rambling thing today, it's simply, I am really looking at some issues that I think we need to just talk about a bit so you understand why we take the position that we take. It's by no means exhaustive. Perhaps one day I'll spend 20-some sermons on the whole issue, look at every aspect of it as it relates to the church, to marriage, to our duties, our responsibilities. But these are things that I think are very important for us. If I could, let me read to you. I'll just pick it up when I get here. Let's have a word of prayer and then let's begin our sermon this morning. Our Holy Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth that you give us. God, remind us that there is an apostolic simplicity to the truth. And as we live in this life, we try to get it more complex than it really needs to be. We try to find every exception. We try to make every excuse. And there is no excuse for us taking your word and perverting its meaning. We pray, O oh God, that you would bless us in this time. We ask that you give us clarity of thought. And we pray, O oh God, that we will be encouraged, blessed, realize our duty and responsibilities. For we ask it in the name of our most blessed Savior, to whom we ask you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive what his word and his spirit would teach us in this time. In Christ's name, amen. I uh, caused a bit of a ruckus on a Facebook with a group last week. Uh, the more you read the internet and these kind of things, the more you still want to take a gun out and almost shoot yourself. 
You can't believe people can be that ignorant. But assert themselves as assuring you they are knowledgeable people and they know what they're talking about. And they brag about, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm a theologian, I'm an apologist. I never say that because that would be something that the evangelical community would have to decide. I don't think it's a title unless it's awarded by the church to an individual. I don't think it's a title you're allowed to claim, just like saying I'm a minister. In our generation, a minister means that you're someone who is called and gifted to preach the word of God. And so I, as I grew frustrated, I simply posted and said, you know, there's enough heresy on the internet today to send the American church straight to hell. This is the real problem. Everybody's got an opinion. They don't have any ability to interpret or explain why you interpret something in a particular way. They just decided it fits their narrative best. We probably are the creators of the woke generation that says, change the narrative, you'll change its meaning, and it's okay. Well, the whole issue was over complementarianism. Complementarianism says that the duty and responsibility of preaching and teaching theology or the Bible or anything related to it belongs to those whom God has gifted in the church. You could be a minister, you could be a doctor, you could be, uh, as far as that's called, a doctor in, in theology. You can be an elder, you could be a deacon. But there are no more offices than that. And my answer was, I don't believe anybody apart from that at any time has the right to teach. Or oh, you get the natural objections. Oh, what about Deborah? A, she was a judge. She was not a teacher. B, God said, it demonstrates the condemnation upon a nation who said that they were called of God It couldn't produce a man faithful enough to be a judge. She doesn't fit the argument. Some say, well, what about uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother? And the answer is, well, yeah, but that's his grandmother and mother. We don't know what happened to his father, but it would fall to them to teach him. We never deny that. That's the duty of parents. But how do we approach this thing? And I say this very carefully. I know there are people who have what they believe are strong arguments. I don't, or I wouldn't necessarily hold to my position that I examine on this issue. So within that understanding, bear with me, please. If you don't agree, fine. I, it's not, listen, I don't stand before God before you for you, except for what I teach you. 
Okay. But I have a duty. I can put that down here. And a responsibility to teach that which the Word of God adheres to to you. And I think it's very important. And i got to give an account for that. You will give an account for what you believe in. So I would say to you, be very careful. One day you'll give an account for that. And believe me, you will wish you'd been very careful. So, as all this goes on, you hear all kinds of things. Oh, but I believe in the Word of God. Well, I guess they wanted me to lay out an argument, punching it in with one finger at a time on my iPhone. I don't do that. You want to hear what I got to say? Listen to a sermon? Call me up? Or debate me publicly. I'll be happy to debate anybody who wants to debate on this issue. But I think it's important to understand why we believe what we believe. And why it's important that we as Presbyterians, we being the ongoing Scottish movement of the Puritans from Scotland, maintain the necessity of a good and well-adequately trained ministry. We have three young men. We have more than that to show up, and I'm very thankful. But we have three young men who've said, I want to be in the ministry. My answer to that is, excellent. Now, they've been here for eight years, and they've been studying, and they've been meeting and they take very care. And you know, we before we let them up and speak, we had them trained in a lot of the true basics of theology in the seminary. We didn't just say to them, oh, you called to preach. Here's some tracts in the Bible. Go do it. I got to do that when I was a Baptist. They were very nice. I got up, I said, well, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study to be a minister one day. I feel called to preach and they basically give me the tracts and said, go get them. I was not in a position to go get them. So it's very important. What does the word of God say on this whole issue of not only being called but gifted and the restrictions put upon those who, in particular, in this generation, our modern-day feminism has allowed for greater exceptions within the church and within other assemblies or organizations where they have a right to stand up and teach. And I'm saying to you, that's not true never been true. Well, let's look at what the Word of God says. In 1 Timothy 2, 9-15, Timothy writes, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamed-facedness and sobriety, 
Women ought not to dress in a gaudy way in which it draws attention to themselves. Well, I could preach on that for a couple of hours, but I'm just not going to get on to it. Our women don't at our church. We don't have that problem. Most of us are too poor to have anything worth anything anyway. And if we had any gold, we've already would have sold it and used it. It said, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Verse 10, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. That's what they adorn themselves in, the good works that God hath called and ordained for us before the foundation of the world, we are in Christ. Now, Paul goes on, verse 11. Let the women learn in silence. With all subjection. To whom they are properly subjected. Be it father. Be it their husband be it to the elders of the church who have that duty and responsibility to, to teach them. But note, he said, let the women learn in silence. With all subjection. You can't sit and listen to a woman preacher and learn in silence with subjection. And there's a reason for it, and I'll get to it. Now, this goes with Colossians 3. Here's the consistency of Paul, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So the primary, what? Subjection is to learn from your husband. You know, one of the things that I've told the men of our church over and over again I will not insert myself in home. There are a lot of people that pastors, elders, deacons, uh, nosy buddies want to insert themselves into your home. So it's not my job. Your job is to be that in your home. Act like it. You're the one who's supposed to teach your wife. Teach them. You're responsible to see your children are educated. Be sure they get a biblical proper education. But Paul's clear, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord, meaning as it is right with God. I mean, if your husband's teaching something heretical, of course not. If he's telling you to violate the law of God, the word of God, no. But when he's teaching you the word and how to live by the word to walk in those good works, yes, listen to him. Then he goes on to say in verse 12, but I suffer not a woman to teach. Now, this is where the plot always thickens. Well, you know, 
What he doesn't allow is women to teach where there are men present. But with women, it's okay. doesn't say that. It's a very static statement. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Period. Nor to usurp authority over the man. Now that's the add-on. You don't teach and you don't usurp authority over man, but to be in silence. Boy. Paul's driving this home. He's not popular today, believe me. Most people would have said Paul was a fraud in today's cultural perspective. But let me read you what John Calvin says. Calvin basically quoting this section of the scripture, but I suffer not a woman to teach. Not that he takes from them the charge of instructing their family. They got a duty to instruct their family. But only excludes them from the office of teaching. Which God has committed to men only. On this subject we have explained in our views in the exposition of the first epistle of the Corinthians. If anyone bring forward by way of objection Deborah, and others of the same class of whom we read that they were at one time appointed by the command of God to govern these people, the answer is easy. Extraordinary acts done by God do not overturn the ordinary rules of government. Yeah, it's a sad day in Israel when God's got to get a woman. Not one man with the wisdom and righteousness of this woman to rule on Israel. Oh, that's a sad day. Gee, sounds almost like America. By which he intended that we should be bound. Accordingly, if women at one time held the office of prophet and teachers, and that too, when they were supernaturally called to it by the Spirit of God. He was above all law. Might do this. Can God make an exception? Yeah, but that was back then. He no longer does the things that he did then as he does them now. Being a what? Peculiar case. This is not opposed to the constant and ordinary system of governments. Calvin adds, what is closely allied to the office of teaching and not to assume authority over the man for the very reason why they are forbidden to teach is that it is not permitted by their condition. They are subject and to teach implies the rank of power and authority. Did you get that? When you teach, you already are assuming power and authority that has not been gifted to you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was bragging the other day, and I told him, and I said, my wife, I've been married to her 48 years. I know it's a long time. By today's standards, I've been married to her three times. 
But I said, in all that time, my wife has never once got on the internet and tried to teach anybody anything. A, we're too busy, I think. But B, she knows better. She'll tell you, that's my husband's job and the elders of the church and the deacons. They're the ones that need to do that. If I do it, I've let them off the hook. God's got them where he wants them. Their job, teach. Instruct. Work with, directly, the people of God. Calvin goes on to say, Yet it may be thought that there is no great force in this argument, because even prophets and teachers are subject to kings and to other magistrates. I reply, there is no absurdity in this same person commanding and likewise obeying when viewed in different relations. But this does not apply to the case of women who by nature, that is by the ordinary law of God, is formed to obey. Goes back to the garden. Where does Adam go wrong? The snake, quote unquote, the serpent's in the garden. Who is he communicating with? The woman. She's telling him everything God says wrongly. Where's Adam? He's standing there. He's not in the fray. And God says, you're going to pay for that. The rest of her life, she's going to want to control you. It's going to be a part of the sin nature she has to deal with. What should have Calvin been doing? I mean, what should have Adam been doing? He should have been involved in dealing with the serpent as the vice region of God in the garden. Taking dominion, proclaiming the word correctly, and it's not done. For the government of women has always been regarded by all wise persons as a monstrous thing. And therefore, so to speak, it will be a mingling of heaven and earth if women usurp the right to teach. Now, he already said that has nothing to do with your family. What if somebody comes over to your house and you're having coffee and you start talking about the Bible? You can have a conversation about the Bible. What would you normally do? You know what you do? You need to go to the elders or the pastor and you need to get the authoritative position on this. I can discuss it with you, but I can't teach you in it. What I say has no authority. Therefore, I cannot teach you. But you cannot usurp the right to teach. He bids them be quiet. That is, keep within their own rank. This is your calling. This is the duties you have as a woman. And God has not laid the burden of teaching, of winning people to Christ, of straightening out homes and problems to you. 
take care of your husband, take care of your family, do what God has commanded you to do. Teach your children with the overview of your husband. The two of you have this responsibility. Husband ultimately has that authority and responsibility. If you do it wrong, he's going to stand accountable for not making sure you're doing it right. So it's no small thing. We're not beating up on women here. Truth of the matter is, this is all going to fall to the feet of men. It's the problem in the church today. Men don't want to do anything. I came out of the fundamentalist Baptist movement, and thank God that there were faithful women who carried on the work because the men wouldn't do it. And those who tried to, they should have never tried. And they failed. But then they begin to make exceptions. And boy, does that become a problem. Well, listen to what Justin writes. And I quote, In our laws, the condition of women is, in many respects, worse than that of men. Women are precluded from all public offices. Therefore, they cannot be judges nor execute the function of magistrates. They cannot sue, plead, nor act in any case as proxies. They were under many other disabilities which may be seen in different places in the appendix. But to be in silence, it was lawful for men in public assemblies to ask questions or to even interrupt the speaker when there was any matter in his speech which they did not understand. But this liberty was not granted to women. Seems the early church got the understanding of it. They understood. It's a bit of a burden, is it not? What does the Bible say? If a woman wants to know something, let her go home and ask her husband. You don't get it from another. Now, if the husband says, I don't know, let's go to the pastor. That's great. Let's go to the elders. Not a problem. Because the husband with his authority is coming and saying, I don't know the answer. Can you instruct us in this? Same as coming to church. No big deal. He can't say to her, well, go, ask the, go ask the pastor. I.e., have him teach in my stead. And that gets him off the hook. We don't allow that. Again, listen to John Gill. By the way, my phone is dead. I have no timer, so this sermon could be long or short. I have no idea. Thank God. I promise not to look at my phone at the time if you'll promise not to look at your watch or your phone at the time. Listen to John Gill dealing with this section, but I suffer not a woman to teach. They may teach in private, in their own houses and families. They are to be teachers of good things to their family. They are to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nor is the law nor doctrine of a mother to be forsaken. 
Why is it they want to go on to the internet and they want to post things and they want to argue theology, but they don't spend any time teaching their children? I don't get it. You got a duty God assigns to you, and instead you want to usurp an authority you don't have. Nor is the law or doctrine of a mother to be forsaken any more than the instruction of the father. Timothy no doubt received much advantage from the private teaching and instructions of his mother Eunice and grandmother Lois. But then, women are not to teach in the church. Ah, now somebody says, ah, there you have it. It's only when you assemble as a church that you can't teach. Well, so far, that's not been exactly what it said, and I'll show you that's not said also in the Scripture. For that is an act of power and authority. And suppose the persons that teach to be of a superior degree and in a superior office and to have superior abilities to those that are taught by them. They're assuming a position that should not assume. I'm telling you, he brings up the church because he wants to be sure the church don't fall into this problem. Verse 13, for Adam was first formed in Eve. Now, think of the context. Did he go and say, you know what? Here's the context. The pastor's been called. The elders have been called. They're supposed to teach. You don't let a woman... No, what does he go to? The creation account. This is a widespread requirement. The church is one aspect of it, but it includes all of life. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. You know why she don't have the authority to teach? She was deceived. She's the one who falls into the first aspect of transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. What is the context? Teaching and responsibility. The whole society. He goes back to the created order of things to show. This is why. Its application is broader than the church. Feminism says, oh, no, no, no. No, we got exceptions. If we're not assembling together for a worship service, she can teach. No, she can't. And I know that really hits at the heart of not only Baptists, but Presbyterians, many of them as well. Oh, God forbid, don't say my wife can't teach. I didn't. The scripture says it. God is saying it through those whom he hath ordered to say it. 
written in the Word. Is that unkind? Of course not. It's up to God to decide who he wants to teach and not teach, and where and how, because teaching brings authority. Are there exceptions? Of course there are. The real content of this is what? Both biblical and theological issues. That which pertains to this realm. That's what we're talking about. If some woman wants to get on the internet and talk about music and teach about it, I got no problem with that. That's not what is being forbidden. What's being forbidden is to deal in the truth of God. Because from the beginning, she was deceived. And so I, I simply say, there are people who are advocating this position. The problem is, they turn around and teach. There are women saying, women should teach, and now I'm going to teach you on the internet. The internet garners both men and women seeing it. It's a contradiction. No, on these matters, if she wants to quote John Gill or Charles Spurgeon or uh, Charles Hodge or anybody else, eh, cut it out, post it. It's a minister saying it. I have no problem with that. She wants to say, you need to read this? Great, no problem. If she wants to teach you sewing, got no problem with that. She can teach you that all day long. But the truth of God, this is the problem. Too many are teaching a lie. They're not trained to teach. Well, they think they are. I have the right to read the word of God. You don't have the right to teach it unless God calls you and it's recognized by the church. And to be so, historically, even if they didn't go to college or to the university or to the seminary, at least they are examined and tried as to their ability to rightfully handle the word of God. Need to look at Timothy's, the statements Paul makes to Timothy. So I'm not saying you got to be a degreed person. Not at all. But when somebody sits and tells me something and you go, hermeneutically, that's impossible to teach that. you got problems because you're teaching a lie. You're misleading people. What if that person believes you, misses the point of the gospel and dies and goes to hell? That blood's going to be required of you as far as I'm concerned. you got to be careful in handling the gospel. That's why we're very careful at this church. I used to look at every sermon that these men were going to preach just to make sure they're on point. I don't do it anymore because 
they do it. But they put their heart into the work. And I greatly appreciate that. Well, 1 Peter 3.1, listen to what Peter has to say. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Yep, we heard that before. Now Peter's backing Paul. That if any obey not the word, i.e., if the husband isn't obeying the word of God, they also without the word, that is, the wife not correcting you with the word, what? They may be what? One, excuse me, by the convert, they may be one, that is, one over two, by the conversation of the wife. The word conversation means in her living this style, God has called her to live in godliness. She is able, without saying a rebuking word to him, without administering the word to him, I am obeying, you are not. I'm the lesser vessel, you're the greater vessel. He says, that is the most horrible testimony against a man. That the wife lives righteous and the man does not. She doesn't rebuke him, but the way she lives the life of godliness is a glaring rebuke of him. And he sees his wife as a real testimony to the fact she's obeying God and he is not. So without the word, being in silence, man, if she can't rebuke a husband that's gone off the word, how is she going to get on the internet or anything else and rebuke people for anything that they are not doing? Don't work that way, people. It don't work that way. Then we have in Hebrews, I believe Paul writing this, chapter 5, 22 through 24, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, i.e., the way that God expects you to be in subjection to him, so you should be a subjection to your husband in a biblical way. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. Everything that's biblical, everything that's commanded, be in subjection to your husband. Let him lead he must lead. He must teach you and your children too. That's the command of God. What's the problem in America? It's been the family. We've said it for years. It's the breakdown of the family. Oh, where is it broken down at? Well, you hear a million different answers, but the truth of it is, the men aren't leading from the Word of God. That's where it's broken. And thus the woman has had to take up an authority 
that she has to do to lead the family <clears throat> when she's not been given the authority or the responsibility or the command to do it. Should she do it? Of course. My husband, he doesn't believe the word. He's off drinking. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's never here. She don't have much of a choice, but she's in her home. She's doing what she's supposed to be doing. She too is a parent and she has a responsibility to teach. No problem. She's never restricted from that duty. But she's supposed to be doing it in conjunction with her husband. And he isn't doing what God commanded him to do, which means that he's not really much of a man. Oh, he can punch somebody in the nose. He could shoot him with a gun. He could do a lot of things, but the answer to it is he just can't lead his family. Isn't that amazing? This is the problem in America. And men love going to church where they don't have to be confronted with their responsibilities. They can just say to the wives, well, you do this. I got to go do this. I got to go do this. I got to go. Never fulfilling their responsibilities. Making sure their homes are right, orderly, correct. Following up on what the requirements are for the woman to be the manager of the home. We don't, we do not restrict in every area because there are going to be exceptions to it, i.e. biblical exceptions. Her husband dies, she's not married, she's got a duty and responsibility. We took care of that in our own church. A woman's husband in our denomination dies, she goes either if she's got a son old enough, she has him vote and speak to the church. She is involved with him as head of her own home now, and he does it for her, or she goes to the elders and says, what's going on? Tell me what I need to know, and I'll tell you how I want you to cast my vote for my home. Not really hard. I remember us grinding through all of that and everybody. I said, we're making it harder than it has to be. It just doesn't have to be this hard. Why can't we just follow the scripture? She can teach her children. They did. In Israel, the mother taught the children to read and to write. You know what they learned to read and write? the Ten Commandments of God so that they could be trained in the law of God. And so not only did they write the Ten Commandments, they wrote all things pertaining to the law, especially as they had it, in order that they could teach their children to read and write. You know, the Germanic tribes were the only other tribes that required that. But 
She fulfills her duty by doing what she is required to do. But her husband doesn't have a right to forsake it. I said all of that to simply say to you, we have, I believe among the women of our church, we have a good reputation. We use the internet. We talk to people. We'll tell them we'll pray for them. We'll hear what they have to say. Nothing like that is wrong. But our women are not teaching on the internet. They're not usurping their authority. Their answer is, if you want an answer to this problem, why don't you contact the elders of my church? And they'll tell you. Or why don't you read the Puritans and the Presbyterians that have written on this subject? But they don't usurp the authority of being a teacher. And that... gives us great, great respect and integrity for them. Because they don't violate the law of God. I have no doubt most of our women could do ten times better than most women on the internet. But they don't do it. And I encourage you, continue to learn. Encourage your husbands. Learn the word of God. Teach me what to believe. Lead our family. I will walk with you each step of the way. But let's not make exceptions that the Bible will not make exceptions for. And just because God makes exceptions, he's God. You're not. And God knows there are probably some women who could rule this nation that we have today much better than the men we've got in this nation. But that's God's providential area of concern. But we need men to become men again. Men to become godly men. Men to act according to the word of God. And there's the real failure. It's not the women. They're trying to throw in what they can in order to survive and keep things going. And you got to say, man, I love that appreciation and desire. But it has its limitations. It has its limitations. I've told you over and over again, you got a problem? You want counseling? Come see me. I'm not going to inject myself into your home. I don't do it that way. I don't usurp your husband's authority. But if you both want me to come and to work with you, I'm more than willing to do that. And there's no sin or shame in that. But the real duty here belongs to the men, to husbands and fathers. And when they're doing it right, 
women don't have to worry. Their husbands are doing what needs to be done so that they can fulfill their calling as a wife and a mother. And for that, we are gratefully appreciative of you and your willingness to do what is right according to the word. There is never a time, biblically or theologically, you have the right to become a teacher of anyone. Now, if the women want to get together and say we want to have a class, it's just women getting together at the church, we want the older women to tell us, the younger women, how to be successful in raising families because you've done that, we got no problem with that. I don't think it's a formal class. Personally, it's talking about in Scripture. Because the scripture never knew any other classes apart from the preaching of the word. But if they wanted to do it that way, I still wouldn't have a problem with it. I'd say go out and have dinner. Talk about it. Let the older women instruct the younger women in how to do what God has commanded them to do and why they were successful in doing it. I have no problem with that at all. You want to ask a woman about how she was successful, go ahead and go ask her. It's not like we've put bridle bits in your mouth like a horse so that you can't talk. But our answer is there are some ways you're forbidden to do such presentations. Let's look. The Lord our God in prayer.